You asked. We answered. Join the guys as they answer various questions from the listeners. And in the second half, they tackle all the interesting free agency moves as only they can. Get comfortable. It's time for therapy. Welcome back to your favorite podcast. It's Hoop Therapy. Brought to you by your co-host, Kayshawn, a.k.a. Killer K, a.k.a. the King of Queens, a.k.a. your favorite Tar Heel. And with me, as always, my highly, highly esteemed co-host. It's D-Chaps, a.k.a. Danny C. Uh, pull up a seat back on our couch and enjoy some therapy. Hey, man, it's therapy without a fee. All we ask you like, subscribe, review, and go ahead and hit that follow button. Sit back, we got y'all. We didn't land on Plymouth Rock. The rock was landed on us. Wednesday night, pre-Thanksgiving. How's it going, man? How you doing? Pretty good, you know. Um, just excited. Today's a good day. Uh, earlier had Champions League football on. Shouts out to Man City. Uh, and then college basketball is kicking off. So, you know, basketball yeah, you got, season is upon us. You wouldn't see coming up at six, right? Yes, sir. So, watch out. Got some first round picks that might be coming out of there. And then right now, I'm, well, you guys won't know right now, but right now uh, on ESPN, Cade Cunningham is playing, who's supposed to be the number one pick in the draft next year. So, getting my early scouting on. There you go. For draft draft pot next year, it's gonna be a one. Big facts. How are you? I, you know, happy Thanksgiving. Or yeah, or Thanksgiving happy pre Thanksgiving. It's 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 so wild, you know. But uh, speak speaking of uh, football, wild tragic news today that just popped off that uh, unfortunately Diego Maradona passed away after brain peace. surgery last month. Yes, rest in peace. Just topic of the day, man. I don't know if you have you have you seen the HBO doc? Because I was talking about it with a bunch of friends today about the documentary. No, I haven't seen it yet, but I am definitely going to check it out. Uh, I've heard great things about it. I've seen you talking about it actually on Twitter, so I think I'm gonna put that on my list. Yeah, it, it I'm tells anything it, these days anyway. It has some great footage from him in uh, Europe, but it's just it's it's firsthand view of him going to Napoli and and playing against the Italian greats, and it just is one of the greatest sports stories of somebody going to such like a a broken and small club and playing at big stages. Like I've seen um. What's his name? Amin. Uh, and uh, what's his last name? And has it? The ESPN El guy. Ha- El Hassan. El Hassan. Yeah, the ESPN guy talking about how if we were to ever see that in the basketball aspect, it'd be like if LeBron were to go to, you know, any small club in La Liga and, and win the NBA championship. Like, it's just really world-class player in a, in a not play, a not club he should be and still playing world-class ball. It's just one of the craziest athletes, legendary athletes ever. And I don't It's been a hard year of 2020, man. And I feel like there's been so many greats that have passed away this year. It's unfortunate. Yeah, 2020 between COVID and, um, I mean, just regular life. I saw they said he had a heart attack. I know he had a brain procedure a month or two ago. Mm-hmm. So, um it's it's crazy, you know. Everybody stay safe, stay prayed up, you know. Do want to give a shout out to uh, the quick change guy. His name escapes me. Uh, he's done a lot of NBA games. If you've been to NBA games, you've been to half times. You've seen the quick change people. You know, they come in 
with the little curtain it seems like they shake it up and then they change just like that and so quick change but shouts out to them uh recipes to i think his name is mr reese oh the 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 guys who were mainstays in okc right yeah 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 i did see that they did see that yeah. I, I caught yeah. them one time out here in dc so you know want to rest in peace say recipes to them uh well to him the husband was a husband and wife to him so rest in peace to him COVID is real Third wave yeah. is here, I think. Fourth wave, second wave, whatever, whatever number there are. <laughs> right, whatever wave nev- it is, stay away. Nevertheless, though, time moves on, and here we approach. What is it? Probably our sec- second COVID holiday after Halloween, Thanksgiving, man. How, how are you feeling I mean, about your Thanksgiving? You excited about it? This like the third or fourth. You forgetting Memorial Day, July fourth. Yeah, 4th? July fourth. Oh my God, it's been so long. <laughs> but Thanksgiving approaches and celebrations continue, and. I guess the turkey prevails. How how are you feeling? What are your what's your plans for this Thanksgiving coming up? Uh, so we're actually getting Thanksgiving catered tomorrow. So um, one of my mom's friends, uh, we're gonna get some ribs, mac and cheese, all, all the good stuff. You know, no turkey. You know, there's a lot of turkey hate this year. I'm not completely off on turkey, but like, it ain't really what I'm here for. My mom usually makes a ham that's fire. I got on her today because she said she ain't buy no ham, so we'll see about that. Hopefully, oh, wow. she made some changes in the last five hours. Uh, mom, wow. if you hear this, if you didn't make the ham, uh, <laughs> you're no longer my favorite mom. All right. Uh, so, uh, what you got on tap? I'm sure y'all got a nice little feast. Yeah. Well, you know, unfortunately, none of my extended family's coming, so it's just gonna be me and uh, the close family of Chaparros in the house. But my mom said she's not holding back. She's still gonna do the turkey, ham, mac and cheese, potato salad stuff, and uh all all the things she normally does because she knows we like that stuff so it's it's normally yeah like normal normal turkey i don't think you can get any crazy but she's got a homemade uh stuff and recipe which is really great she does the ham too with the pineapples and everything which is fantastic okay yeah Yeah, and mac and cheese has been getting better ever since i put her on to some different recipes so we'll see what she comes up with this year yeah all right told her about the breadcrumbs told her about throwing it in the oven for a bit so now we got something cooking that in the oven bake that right now Hey, shout out to your mom for being, you know, open to some suggestions. I know some moms yeah. would be out here, might hit you with a shoe. Yeah, trying nah. to Trying to lose the recipes. No, I can't have that. <laughs> We're but, losing you know, recipes. <laughs> well, you know what? Keep it new. You got to keep the times rolling, man. Right. I mean, you just want to eat at the end of the day, so... Yeah, I, I was gonna be I was gonna be upset because at first we were talking about you know not having the full on thing and I don't know for me honestly I never have turkey and stuffing I mean obviously there's no reason to have stuffing but even like a turkey I'm not a big turkey guy year round so I'm excited for the turkey stuffing and gravy combo like I, that's one thing I look forward to Thanksgiving like a lot what, what about you what's your what's your favorite thing coming up Yeah, it's probably it's the ham or it's the mac and cheese and the yams when they touch you know this is becoming more more mainstream these days but really back in the day you put that mac and cheese with that yam that mm, i mean it's orgasmic it's one of those it's one of those things that you thought was yourself like you thought like oh yeah then you found out that everybody in the world but hey that's one of the things i don't care <laughs> right i'm like hey how y'all find out about this i thought i was low-key i wasn't trying right, to tell right, nobody right. my secrets <laughs> but uh yeah you know it's just a good time, you know, just to be around loved ones and, you know, people you care about. And if you can't because of COVID and all that, you know, make sure you give them a FaceTime, show yeah, them you love them. 
the Zoom drinks afterwards is going to be exciting. Oh, absolutely. I'm going to be Zoom drunk by about 8 o'clock. Ain't no football on later either. And depending yeah. on what the Cowboys do tomorrow, I might be drunk by 5 o'clock. You know? There you go. It's a holiday. It'll make it last. Exactly. But uh, since we're here at Thanksgiving, no better time than to have a Thanksgiving mailbag. Coming there off our last week, the NBA draft, our successful NBA live NBA draft live stream. There it is. Um, but before we grab into the mailbag, what did you think about our first IG live appearance? You know, just it was fun, and I, I, you know, I'm definitely appreciative to those who supported, got some loyal loyal fans to the pod, and I appreciate that. But I don't know, you know, I think that this has been a fun outlet and venture into you know media and, and just kind of like sports reporting, like seeing it, seeing it and loving it how we do, and just kind of being a part of it and being there live and just vibing you know it's been fun this pod has been growing into things that you know and it continues to grow into more fun exciting things so it was definitely a good time and it was definitely cool to just be there live while the picks were going down and seeing how teams were going and seeing what kind of ideas we had the night of kind of become reality or change immediately you know with different picks or different situations and obviously how crazy free agency has been so definitely got it was cool to get a uh, get a recording that night so yeah what about you how was your experience with it it was great. Um, usually I don't like putting my face on camera for that long, but it was worth it. Got to talk to some fans, talk to I mean, people just showed up and supported, you know, all three million of the people that was in there. I'm sure we broke <laughs> some Instagram records. Versus ain't got nothing on us. Um, you know, shouts out to the fans. We love y'all. You know, stick with us. We got some more big stuff planned. Yeah. Well, speak, speaking of verses, I want to get some commentary on there because I put a couple people on the verses and definitely was uh, I hopped on Xbox that night and then ended up having just like a party, just like live watching it. What do you think of the last verses, yo? Oh, the Jeezy Gucci verses. Get some commentary out there. That was everything, you know. Um, I, I didn't know every Gucci song. I knew most of them. I didn't know all the Jeezy songs. Knew a couple of them. I ain't really a big Jeezy guy, but just the energy in there. It was so tense. It felt like something was going to pop off at any moment. But you could tell it was too much money on the line for it to pop off. So it was as tense as it could be without really having anything going on. Gucci was really trying to start some stuff. And I get it. But, uh, you know, Jeezy, he kind of lost me with the real estate talk. Like, cool, bro. Ain't nobody here for that. Yeah, he he sounded like a fork guy. (laughs) <laughs> like, you want to know how I got here? I signed, swipe up right you now. Can wake up and hit these stocks right now. Like, hey. But yeah, nah, Gucci was 10 toes in on being just violent energy from the beginning with that homemade song to open it up, just straight up disrespecting Jeezy to his face. It was a it was a wild, wild, wild uh, scene. I was surprised nothing popped off. Jeezy kept his cool a lot because Gucci got real disrespectful, like in a lot of moments. Oh, so it, it, it was, was, it was <laughs> it's just wild to see. 2020 has been a, a whirlwind of wild events. That puts a cap to that chapter, you know? Yeah. So I'm waiting on the next verses. Shout out Tempo and Swiss. I don't think I've missed the verses since they came out. You know, there was some I wasn't that much of a fan of, but, you know. I tune in as much as, as the big headliners that guys I get, but they're always great. Mm-hmm. But to fall back, yeah, so we know. We did leave off last last thing that uh, we put out. Hoop therapy was the mailbag, bro. So how about we hop into it, yo? Let's get it. Um... 
So I'll go with the first and most least favorite question that I've seen was, without being a complete hater or a Celtics fan, please rate the Knicks draft. So us as Celtics fans have to put our bias away. All right, Keishon? What would you think? Knicks draft, what would you think? Um, So the Knicks ended up taking uh, Emmanuel quickly. They traded back in the first round to get quickly. Uh, and they picked OB Toppin. That was their draft. Mm-hmm. Um, that night, I was more in love with it uh, as I've done some more research on Emmanuel quickly. I mean, he he's all right. He's not really a prototypical one. He's kind of like all the other ones they have there, like uh, Nicolina and Dennis Smith Jr., kind of like a combo-type guard, but not enough playmaking to be a one. So... I mean, we'll, we'll see how that works out for them. Obi, I'm not a fan of Obi Toppin. Um, it's not, I mean, he's, he was a great, productive college player. Don't get me wrong. Solid guy. But, I mean, I don't know where he fits on the next level. Uh, his shot is nice. But let's see if it falls at that high clip uh, when he's in the league. And then I'm not sure if he's a plus athlete enough in the NBA to do much. And, Defensively, his he just slow defensively. His hips, he don't turn. So you know, I, I'm not as high on the Knicks draft as I was draft night. But I, I'm, they have some nice bones there. They should have. They had a chance to reach for a better point guard. They had a chance to get a better wing in there to complement R.J. Barrett. Uh, but they ended up with a shooting guard and a power forward, hopefully offensive center. Um, I, I guess you got to see what they do on the court. But as of right now. If I had to give it a grade, I'd say it was it was a B minus. B minus. Yeah. So if I were to give my opinion on the draft, I give it about like a B as well. Um, but more so, just I give I give a bit of praise to the Knicks for kind of just being at least decent or at least just not you know a laughing stock of every the whole league because that was their guy. Obi, Obi was their guy that they wanted to go after and they got him and they they were grateful that they got him and they filled a position at the forward and they did the right thing. Well, what I I like more what the Knicks did was got rid of all the gunk that they had and made sure that they waived all the players that they didn't need and and cleared up some space and they went out and got some decent free agents. So, more so on the Knicks offseason I give more props to, but the draft was decent. Um I agree with you on your your sentiments on quickly, but yeah, and same thing with Toppin. I don't think he's the greatest player, but Kudos to the Knicks for actually getting somebody that they wanted and not having complete outrage for a decision that they made. Yeah, if they held that uh, draft in actual New York, I don't think Toppin pick would have got booed like uh, the Gallinari pick, no, the Gallinari pick, or the Kristaps Porzingis Christoph, pick. So, yep. so, so that's, I mean, that's 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 worthy of Knicks fans. They 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 need some slack, you know. Yeah, you know, it wasn't a bad draft. You can see, I mean, this is what, like, their 15th rebuild in the last five years. So it's kind of hard to know if they're going to stick with the plan. Yeah. But they eschewed all the big free agents, and they went after small guys. And looks like they're trying to keep max cap space for next year, which everybody is seeming to do. But, you know, have fun, Knicks fans, with Austin Rivers dribbling the life out the ball for 20 seconds. Because he's the only reliable point guard option you have. You know, have fun. So funny enough, that that brings us in a great, at least in my opinion, brings us a great segue into the next question, which is, who are your most improved candidates coming into next season? 
So for me, I would I would throw Austin Rivers in the mix just because he's going to be have a different uh, light on him, and he has potential to just put up some empty stats that you know people could enjoy. Um, I don't know if they're going to keep the same sentiment with you know sophomores really dominating the award, but if that's it, then Zion's obviously going to be up there because he's going to have a complete different year if he's able to play more games. Um, and then another dark horse I'd give is um, John Wall, you know. I'll give it to John Wall be most improved coming off from not playing about two years. A lot of talk about moving him around. If he could just stay healthy and him and Brad can figure it out together and at least be a six, six seed in the East, you know, there's a, some potential there for him. Yeah, I can see that. <clears throat> but the thing, well, it depends how you interpret this question. If we're going most improved player or who's going to win the most improved award. Yeah, I think that's, that's it, the, the award, because it's candidates for the award next season. Okay, because I mean, last year Luca was the most improved player, but he didn't win the award. Yeah, so, you know, it's some. Well, in my opinion, I mean, I mean that just throw blanket statements yeah. out there. So, um, most improved coming up this year. I don't know if anybody's gonna make like a Devonte Graham type leap, where mm-hmm. he stepped up and started balling real early, or even like a Kendrick Nunn. He, he was technically a rookie, but he had played some games G League. He's been around. But uh, to me, I'm looking at a guy like Kobe White. Uh, Chicago's mm-hmm. got actual coach now. Uh, he showed some flashes towards the end of last year. So that, that's the guy I'm looking at if we're talking sophomores. Um, another guy that I kind of like who we'll see. But I, I think there's a big step coming for R.J. Barrett. And, you know, I kind of poo-pooed the Knicks moves last question. But... RJ, if RJ reaches another level, those moves will be perfectly fine. Another level as a playmaker and as a shooter. I mean, I don't know if you can get all that in one offseason, but they've had almost 400 days off, so we'll see. Yeah. But I, I think I think this year for RJ is going to be way better than last year. He's going to be a lot more efficient as a scorer, even if he doesn't get some, you know, three-point shots in there, but I think after seeing the game for a year, you play it differently. You just can't yeah. run head first into guys and think, oh, this is it. This is it. But uh, as far as most improved, I think those are two sophomore guys that I'm looking at as of right now. Um, it's still be, to be determined how the rest of the roster shake out, you know, and that gives you a little bit more idea. But, you know, those are two guys that I'm looking at for most improved, and they just – both happen to be tobacco road guys. That's All crazy. right. So this next one, this next one's stupid. But how did the Nets end up being better than the Celtics after giving them all their picks? Um, <laughs> I don't think there's any facts on that yet. But I mean, how do they get two better players than the Celtics got? I mean, just by the two players that they got being the weirdest guys the NBA's ever seen. Um, let's see how many games they win and what they do with their season before anything, because so far it's been a bunch of average players and decent picks, but nothing to really show out. And Boston's kind of sitting there with Jalen and Jason really liking their treasure. What do you got to say about that? Um, okay. Here's my piece. This question, you say this. I think it's a fair question, especially... 
I mean, everybody laughed at the Nets because they got fleeced for Paul Pierce, ghost of Kevin Garnett and all that. First round picks out the wazoo. And now we're kind of past that era. And what did Boston really even do with all those picks and all that advantage? I mean, they didn't make it to the finals. They made it to the conference finals a couple of times. But what did they do with those picks and those assets that they were so gung-ho about? I mean, because every time you hear Danny Ainge's name, it's uh, Danny Ainge well, almost did this. He Well, he was going to trade this and this for that. Did you know? And it's like, well, we don't want to hear about what you was going to do or what you was about to do. We want to hear what you did. And what he did was, I mean, he, he got the talents, and now you just got a roster where you got first-round picks that you just can't even take on your team, you know? So, I mean, how did the Nets get better? I mean, they're in a better locale. Would you rather live in Brooklyn or Boston? And that's pretty much what it boiled down to. I mean, it, Well, I don't know say, about if it Not to say Angels did a because... bad job. You know, I, I don't want to put that out there. He's not did a bad job. And honestly, it's totally luck that the Nets got better than the Celtics. Yeah. But you know, just all those caveats out there. They got, they got, they they're better because they got struck by lightning. Because KD and Kyrie wanted to play somewhere, and Kyrie decided he wanted to play for home, and they had the money available. They just got luck of the luck of the draw, and that's really it. Um, other than that, they they cultivated you know Karis LeVert, Joe Harris, Spencer Dinwiddie, and Joe Allen, uh, Jared Allen to really show for the rest of it. So mediocrity and then got blessed so i wouldn't really say they they they, you know pushed themselves over anything but that's that so next question would be which team at the bottom of the east most likely to build a contender in the next three years um i think that's kind of easy to see it's the hawks now yeah i mean with all the moves i mean we'll get into it later with all their moves and we have some awards for them but it They've totally remade their roster. They said, we're done with being bottom sellers. I mean, and Atlanta isn't a bad city to live, especially if you like the things that I like, you know, and that's women, you know. It's just a lot of good-looking women down there in Atlanta. So, you know, and even if you don't like women, they got other things for you in Atlanta too, you know. Hey, whatever side you want to play on, Atlanta got it for you. Atlanta's so, a popping city for sure. Fact. So, I mean, if they can get that cracking. And you got, well, they got their G League team now in the College Park Skyhawks. And then uh, 2 Chains is actually a part owner with them. So you mm-hmm. got 2 Chains connection down the street. You got all the Atlanta Raptors. I mean, Atlanta is the place to be. If you can get that popping, yeah. you got Ice Tray. Uh, I mean, they got to do something with that center of power forward log jam. Uh, probably move but, John Collins. But, uh, with with the money, with the money, with the location, and then obviously with having Trey Young, which is probably the best talent out of those bottom seeds, um, they're kind of set, and they just show that not only can they go out and trade and get the guys that they want to get, but guys are also vets are also willing to go there for a the money and b the life that you're saying. So they kind of lucked out, and obviously, like we said, we're gonna comment on it later. Um, but they kind of you know. They got themselves in the best position. They realized the talent that they got. They lost the games they needed to. They they maneuvered around well, and now they're set up to have at least decent team. There there could be potential for Atlanta's in, in the playoffs already. So that's a quick turnaround. So to say for the next three years, they look pretty ahead of the race. Because then you look at Washington, and that's one implosion hey. away from you know. Hey, hey 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 hey! Washington is in the bottom three team. You said bottom three teams. Oh, true. Okay, well they were true. Ninth seed. Bottom the three of the- teams are the Pistons, Hawks, and Cavs. Cavs, yeah. And well, the Cavs, the Cavs are interesting, but I just don't think that they're going to be able to do what Atlanta just did, which is realize their talent and then build correctly around it. I think they have 
a lot of young guys that they're going to have to figure out which is the one they want to keep. Oh, yeah. We're, we're going to get into Detroit later, too. Because yeah. Who knows? what They might be bottom sellers for the rest of their lives. And, and that's sad because when you think of Detroit back in the 80s and 90s, early 2000s, Bad Boys Pistons, you're thinking of Chauncey Bellows, Ben Wallace, Rasheed Wallace. They went to, what, seven straight conference finals? And now mm-hmm. they're just like a laughing stock. So it, Crazy how fast haven't won a, can haven't won a playoff game since then. Exactly. I mean, getting swept in. I mean, it's crazy for them. So, uh, so we got a couple more, a couple goal? more here. Uh, right. So then we'll go with we'll go with uh, as they currently stand. What's the Warriors' starting five? Ooh, that's a good question. Who do they even have on their roster right now? Well, I would say it'd be Steph. Um, I wouldn't. I would. I wouldn't say that they're gonna really play positions at that two three spot. So it's gonna be Steph, Kelly Oubre, Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green, and then Wiseman. They're gonna have to start their best five because that's really the only decent lineup that they could put out there. I don't think there's any other variation to start out with, don't you think? Uh, no, I see they uh, signed your boy Brad Wanamaker too. Yeah, but he's a backup guard. So, but that's yeah, a good sign for them. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. You're right. It's going to have to be Steph. Ooh, this is nasty. This yeah. is this roster is disgusting. But it's, fa- it's fast. It's fast. It's what it's one thing it can yeah. be. It's fast. It's going to be a lot so, of flying up and down, and then that's could be beneficial, but it's going to be one of me, those heavy offense and old defense. It'll probably be Steph, Bazemore, hmm. Oubre, Draymond, and Wiseman. Wiggins and, to the bench. Yeah, just just because if you have Wiggins on the bench, it's much easier for him. You, you, he can't be out here playing against regular players. Who knows what he's going to do? You know, so you, you uh, sit there, you put him against the second-tier guys, and he can he can score in the NBA against first-teamers. You put him against second-teamers, he averaging 17, 18, 19, easy. So, to me... He's got to go, and he's better playing off ball than any of these other cats they got. Off ball and on ball. So, you know. Shouts out to the Warriors for getting Kelly Oubre. That's my guy. There you go. Yeah, cool dude, cool dude. All right, so next up we got which NBA team has the most promise for the future? I'm going to let you answer that one first. That's a. Uh... I mean. We're talking about problems. Are we talking about overall or teams yeah. that suck? Because well, no, it's it's just teams with most promise. So I mean, they could be in the middle of it, but obviously, we're looking probably young here. We're probably looking who's going to have the most success over the distant future. So not just the Mavericks. In the, in the, not in not in the next two years. Um, yeah, I'd say the same. They probably got the best talent out of out of everybody. Exactly, because Luka's an MVP, and KP at his best is an All Star. I mean. Uh, all-star plus. I don't want to say just an all-star, but at his best, he's an all-star plus type of player. Yeah, and, and they're going to they're gonna tool around that team until it fits perfectly for Luka. Like, even if it's at the expense of KP, they're going to find the best team for Luka, and Luka's probably going to be the most talented out of the young talent right now because there's Zion Tatum, um, obviously Giannis, but the thing with Giannis is that Giannis, 
is going to be probably moving on from Milwaukee soon, and you can't say that they're going to be the best. And, you know, you could say the Lakers because they just won the chip, rolled back with such a good team. But, you know, that's obviously going to be somewhere in the future without LeBron. So you never know. So I think the most security and most kind of best looking towards the future is definitely Dallas. Yeah. Luke is something special. He could be content. He could be in contention for MVP next year, no doubt. Yeah, it's definitely Dallas. Uh, you have some people who actually predicted him to win MVP next year. I don't want to go that far because we're not making predictions yet. So yeah, definitely possible. And, and you know, I've been a Luca guy since before the drafts so or his draft. So we'll see. I mean, we were talking about the Hawks. So the Hawks would be another team that's up there. It's pretty cool that um, you know the Hawks made that trade for. Oh, they traded back from number three spot to number five so they can grab uh, Trey Young, and Dallas wanted to move up to grab Luka. It looks like both teams are on good paths. People were saying, oh, why would the Hawks give up on Luka? It looks like they got Trey, and they believe in him, just like the Mavs believe in uh, Luka. So, you know, shouts out to mm-hmm. the both of them, both young cats. Um, those are probably the two teams of the future as far as having top-end talent and being able to have a nice fit. Um, you know, there are some more teams that you can watch as it goes on, but I don't think they'll have that same type of talent. Yeah, I think, think Dallas Dallas is a front-runner for sure. So we go on. Next Next question is, um, who's winning one-on-one, MJ or LeVar Ball? <laughs> I mean... It depends what MJ shows up. If MJ just rolled out of there, because you know Lavar gonna be ready. He he gonna yeah, he's a psycho. He gonna be preparing. MJ can wake up out of bed and probably still give him forty. So it's gonna be MJ. But would I pay to watch? Yes, I would. Yeah, I you gotta it. see that'd be that'd be a lot of a lot of lot of drama. Well, how do you you think anything's gonna pop up this year with Lamelo, or you think Lavar has finally learned his lesson? He's kind of just gonna be silent on the sidelines over there. Yeah, I think LeVar is fine. LeVar ain't really bothering nobody no more. Uh, he kind of got the hint to just relax after all that. He, he was talking some wild stuff in the media, and he, he kind of got ahead of himself. I'm just like, but all no, right, take. No lie, the, the, the media pumped him up, too. They gaslighted him OD. They, oh, I, they, I, they I had him on every show. They had him in every room. They had him everywhere. So they built the beast they hated at the end of the day. Exactly. So, I, I mean, that... That's why the media, you know, people don't really like quote unquote the media. And I guess we're the media now. I guess that's us. But you know, we're the we're the good side. We're like Batman. No, we're not like Batman. We're like uh. <laughs> we're, we're definitely not Batman. <laughs> Batman get you out of here for an ape. He don't play. Right. <laughs> we're not the feds. Clear that up. We're not the feds. We're not. The feds. <laughs> we're just the bright side. Of, we're we're the bright side of the media. So next question is gonna be: What are we most excited about the upcoming season? Just having a season from COVID and you see how football is canceling a lot of stuff. I'm sure it's going to be a lot of cancellations in the NBA and stuff too. But to me, having basketball is better than not having basketball. Mm-hmm. You can ask anybody I know. That's what I do. I watch basketball endlessly wherever I'm at. If I'm at a restaurant, there better be a TV. If not, I'm gonna be on my phone the entire time watching basketball. Like it's just what I do. It's probably why I'm single now, cause I'd rather watch basketball than be with these Jezebels. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that that's it. I, I'm just 
guys and, and see some of these young guys coming in. This was everybody talked about this draft being weak and next year's draft so much better. Da da da. But uh, I'm excited to see these young guys come out here and get it. Yep. That's so I if guess they even get playing time because there's no summer league. So what it depends on you? the situation. Uh, mine's got to be a, a tie. Tie's got to be um, the potential of being able to go to a game. I know that's going to make this last year like oh overly satisfying. So being able to actually go to a game. So hopefully that's going to be available towards like you know maybe February, April type thing. But then tied with that is is playoff basketball because as much as fun as the bubble was and stuff like that, I am beyond excited to see playoffs back in home courts with you know crazy fans and being able to hear the insanity that those games are. So you know prayers up that by that time everything's back to normality and we can you know get that and get fans back in there and stuff. So I'm saying by playoffs or at least finals time that that's going to be there. So that's what I'm most looking forward to. It's going to be a great season, great teams. A lot of movement. Um, I think that also, like, you know, these young guys that came in were um, looking for some strong roles in the teams that they got. So it's going to be interesting for sure. But I'm definitely excited to either experience it myself or see or hear, see and hear the fans because that's something that I missed from the bubble exponentially. Playoff yeah, time is crazy. Yeah, it's different when you pump it in the crowd noise. It don't feel the same. It don't feel the same. It's not the same at all. Did you so see I mean, that uh, Utah is going to have 1,500 fans in the lower bowl? They're going to be spaced I don't really, out. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't really get into any of the info of how the, these people are bringing the fans in or not. I think it's a reckless kind of uh, venture at this point, so I don't really give it too much to find out what they're doing. Mm. But kudos to them. I feel that. We got any more questions on the docket? So last one would be, what's your favorite form of entertainment during quarantine? Oh. I like this. Um, so I'll take this back to when there was no sports. To me, <laughs> Netflix, HBO Max. No, I'm sorry, HBO Max. That, that's what it was. That has been my saving grace. I think that's the best streaming service out right now. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I've just been watching uh, Reno 911 over. Just a bunch of reruns. That Game of Thrones. Yeah, that's about it. What about you? What was your favorite? Oh, we're recording this podcast. Recording the podcast, right, right, right. Um, so yeah, so like you were saying, there was obviously a point um early quarantine with no sports at all. So I think my saving grace kind of and something that I've jumped back into has been has been gaming, you know. I've hopped back into video games heavy and as a lot of people have playing, you know, uh, Warzone, a lot of Battle Royale games. And, you know, obviously 2K rolled out uh, this past fall and stuff. So I found like a new love back in the video games. Um, played the Avengers when it came out, playing Assassin's Creed right now. Um, a, lot, a lot of good story mode games, a lot of, a lot of things to look forward to. Um, and like I said, the Battle Royale games have been extremely fun and have me hooked and, you know, help pass the time by and just help, you know, keep my mind busy. So that's been something uh, I've been watching TV, crazy movie, crazy doing a lot of just sequels uh, timelines of movies and, and shows that had solid runs and sitting there and watching hours of that. So just making the time pass by with that. But I'd definitely say that that video games had my heart. Number one. Yeah, no, that war zone has been ridiculous. That actually yeah, made me buy a great... call of duty game for the first time in my entire life. My 25 years of existence. I swore to never buy it because I was never good. But 
they had Warzone. I bought it, and now I'm decent, I suppose. Yeah, there you go. It's just a fun game. It's fun. It's yeah, fun. Definitely. Fun times on there. Good vibes. But that's it. That wraps up the mailbag. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thanks for everybody who sent in questions. I expect way more the next time. But for those who sent it in, great questions, and I hope you guys are listening to get it. So how about we take a little break and then we can hop into free agency talks. Let's do it. All right, man. And we're back. We got my nice glass of Coquito right here, man. What's up? Not much, you know. Had to switch up locations. Now I'm in a spot where I can have me a nice drink. I got me, you know, some Jack Daniels Tennessee honey. Straight or are you mixing? Nah, I mix it with the uh, the Simply Lemonade with the raspberry. You know, getting real fancy out here for the holidays. Okay. okay. Flavorful. Sensational. <laughs> exactly. But uh, since we're here, free agency... And uh, we don't want to just talk about free agency because y- y'all know the moves, y'all know what happens. But uh, we-, we got some awards here at Hoop Therapy. We have our first annual off-season couch awards. Um, so our first award is the "What the hell are you doing?" award. This is for the team that is baffling us in this early going of free agency. So, uh, Danny, what are you looking at for the what the hell you're doing award? So for that one, like we first wrote down, I had the Pistons as well. But I kind of changed that one up into thinking about it after the Hawks just got bogey. And I think I have to go with the Hawks on that one because I think that they've Mm. overstacked themselves and they shot themselves in the foot that way. I've seen just a lot of like conversation about the fact that they might have just put way too many cooks in the kitchen and... I agree. At the end of the day, they got some ball handlers. They got some vets. They got some wings. They got a lot of good pieces. But at the end of the day, they have 15 playable players and only five available spots to be played. So in reality, how much are you helping your cause by overstacking yourself? Um, each individual player is a good role player, but I feel like the team itself is going to run into some problems. It's a, it's a huge coaching gig, and it's a huge management gig instead of just a player's gig. And I feel like when it overcomplicates that way, it's not going to translate the way it does on paper. It's probably going to be a fun 2K team, but I think that they just did a little bit too much. I think they would have been fine with with Bogey and et cetera or Gallo and et cetera, but the com- combination plus the draftings plus the trading for X amount of players like Capella, et cetera, and then also with the vets in there, it, it seems a little clogged up. So before you know, we jump into trash teams like the Pistons and Hornets and et cetera, et cetera, this is a team that it had an idea and it had a direction, but... I feel like they might have just swamped themselves out of it. Oh, that is an interesting take. Uh, I have them in my head down for a different award. But mm. I can see what you're saying there, especially uh, with the log jam they have at the center power forward position now. Uh, you yep. bring in Gallo, who's an unquestioned talent, who can shoot the ball. You get him for three years. The back half is that is partially guaranteed that last year. So, I mean, that's nice. You got him at the four, but you also drafted Onyeka and Kongru. You also just traded for Clint Capella, and you also exactly. have John Collins. And DeAndre Hunter is probably going to spend most of his minutes at the four because he might be a little slow for the three. Uh, so you kind of have that log jam there. And John Collins is coming up to a contract year. Next year he'll be a restricted free agent. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure he's going to want the ball. He's going to want some touches. 
So we're probably gonna have to move him. So yeah, that's why I say that's my that's why I give him that award because it seems it seemed cool at first with the names and the picks and you're like wow they built a team for Trey but then it's a little bit harder to understand how mechanically it's gonna work. So, but what about yourself? Who takes the award for you? Yeah, that, that's definitely gonna be an interesting fit. and you got a truncated training camp, so it, it's gonna be interesting. Mm-hmm. But uh, for me, it's the Pistons, as you alluded to earlier. I mean, because what in like the first twenty four hours of free agency, they traded for like five centers, signed five centers. I mean, they're really about to put out a lineup that's ten guys that are all six ten and can't dribble. It's crazy. Um, they gave $60 million to Jeremy Grant, which I don't think is bad. I don't think it's overpay at all. I'm just surprised he actually went there. I think the what the hell you're doing award should go to him. Like, what do you mm-hmm. – Why would, especially because Denver was offering the same amount of money, and I could see he wants a bigger offensive role. But, I mean, do you want championships or do you want stats? And it's clear that he just said, no, nah, I want the stats. Because the money was the same. I'm like, I can go spend 60 million in Denver. I can do that. You want me in Detroit? Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, they signed so Jalil Okafor. They signed Mason Plumley to three years, $25 million, Because who uh-huh. was going to do that? Not nobody. Uh, I mean, they still have, oh, they have John Henson on the roster. Mm-hmm. I'm just looking at the big man. Sekou Dumbia, who they drafted last year, is listed as a small forward. But he's probably a power forward, 6'8", 230. Um, they just drafted another six eight guy in Sadiq Bay out of Villanova. Uh, they drafted. Uh, didn't they pick up? No, oh, no, that was Sadiq Bay. I was about to say they I know they didn't get Patrick Williams, but yeah, they got Jalil Okafor and they had traded for Tony Bradley and traded him away. But they have some funkiness on their roster. And you still, oh, still, you still got Blake. Blake. Exactly. Yeah. So um, yeah, they. they and they did some funky cap stuff. So to me, the Pistons, what what the hell are you doing? Yeah, like, they, I, I, they took the title of a big question mark. And just to chime in on the the Grant thing, like uh, I don't know if you listened to the last low post um, where he was going over free agency, but he kind of like discussed it like really really well, where he was just explaining the fact that a lot of guys like really grind themselves to become like great role players. Like a lot of the guys that end up in Houston just end up looking like these great role players because. They might not have all the tools to be a star, but they really grind in the, the skill set that they have and become great role players in the roles that they have in teams that like Denver and that utilize them throughout the year and through playoffs really captivate what that skill set does. But the second that you try to become something else or become something more, it could be to your own reckoning because you can kind of plumb in your own career that way by just stepping outside of something that maybe wasn't even meant for you. At the end of the day, certain amount of talents only placed in certain amount of athletes. And sometimes you just have to be that nitty gritty guy. And so for him to take that bet to go to, to Detroit with for the same amount of money and where the positions are all clogged up and they clearly are not being serious about the direction that they're going in, it's just a huge question mark. And then, you know, the signings of all the, the bigs that they have and then letting go of the bigs that they already had just is just so confusing because they could have done what they wanted to do in such a different direction and taken money in different ways. And now they have kind of a clog of a position of mediocre players on kind of bad contracts that's going to be hard to move. And they already have to move you know, people like Derrick Rose and Blake Griffin. So we'll see how it ends up. But. The thing is, they signed Mason Plumlee to three years, $27 million. I said 25 earlier. Three years, $27 million. And the free agent they were losing, Christian Wood, who is astronomically better than him, 
got three years, forty-one million, and it was three years, twenty-seven at first. Till Twitter, Twitter bullied him, and uh, exactly. he got it raised up. But okay, but it, it just goes to sh- it just goes to show that the negotiation was there. There's no reason for them to have to plummet all the way down to a plumley. No pun intended. Right. <laughs> they probably felt he didn't want to come back anyway. So we'll see. New GM Troy Weaver. I'm put my trust in him. He's a DMV guy. So I'm I'm on, you know. Shouts out to him. Jeremy Grant is too. They got that connection. So maybe he believed in the vision. So Troy. Who, who they Killian? Uh no uh Sadiq Bay out of Villanova. And they drafted Killian. Yeah, they did yeah, draft they got Killian. Killian too, yeah. They traded back up to get Sadiq Bay. So, overall, what the hell are they doing? Exactly. So, we're going to move on to our next award, which is the Outrageous Offseason Achiever, Overachiever Award. So, uh, for the team that seemed to win the offseason. Now, I- I'm hmm. going to take the reins on this one first because you said the Hawks were your team, what the hell you were doing. I thought they were the Outrageous Offseason Overachiever. Well, besides... It was them, the Blazers, and the Suns. But uh, mm. the Hawks, for the reasons we mentioned, I think they put a nice team around Trey. And at minimum, they're playoff bound. I don't know if they're going to defend anybody. Depends on what lineups they throw out there. It's going to be a lot of stress they're putting on DeAndre Hunter and uh, Clint Capella and Onyeka Kongu if he sees the floor. But, you know, we'll see. Um, the Blazers, to me, they're the team that nobody's really talking about. But yeah. they, they remade their roster in a way that I never thought they could do without giving up C.J. McCollum. So they were True. able to get Robert Covington up there, who is perfect for what they do. Uh, he was miscast in that switching scheme in Houston, but he's a great help side defender. And for what they do up there in uh, Portland, he'll be great to cover for guys like C.J. and Dame, who aren't the strongest defenders. So, so they made that move. They signed Derrick Jones Jr. away from Miami for two years, which was a great deal. They got another perimeter defender. He's not really much of a shooter, but he's a vertical spacer. You throw that ball up, that man going to catch it. Mm-hmm. He going to catch it. So, I, I mean, they, they added some defenders. You got Zach Collins who will be coming back from injury. Nurkish looked good in the bubble. Um, Dame is Dame. Hopefully he comes back healthy. CJ gets you buckets. They, you know, re-sign Rodney Hood. You still mm-hmm. have Gary Trent Jr. They're not going to be the eighth seed next year again. So they'll be up there four or five, maybe two or three. We'll see. But uh, the Suns, they got Chris Paul. So what else yeah. do you say about that? So so what about you? Who's the outrageous off-season overachiever? So, I mean, I, I would just to touch base on, like, which one you went with. Like, I definitely understand – why people are drawn to the Atlanta thing and on paper like there's some lineups that could be really good but like I said like it outcasts a lot of what they've done to get young guys and at the same time like you know it's gonna be a lot of sacrificing minutes for people who probably went over there to get minutes in the first place so you know at the end of the day we'll see how they put it out I would put those other two teams that you said before you even had wrote them down or said them at my top at the spot too because I think the Blazers and Suns both had the best off seasons because it gave them more wins. Um, two people you forgot from the the Blazers where they re-signed Cantor again. They got him back, and then they got Harry Giles. So they got some more depth in bigs and versatile bigs and plug-and-play players. So they have bodies now, which they did not have last year, and they were completely depleted. And they also re-signed Melo, so they gave him a home. 
So they have like a complete image, and Dame was at a level where if he returns that way and everybody else is just competent, they could look like a high seed in the West, and they could really turn their season around. But nevertheless, I think that my winner of the award would have to be the Suns because they took one semi-legit season and flipped it around to the legitimate players. Eight games. Eight games. But for, you know, small wins, like we were joking about the Knicks before, just small wins overall, you know. That's what makes a difference for them. So they took some small wins, and they really, you know, decided to buckle in and actually do some things, and they got legitimate player in Chris Paul, which is something that the Suns have been unable to do for a long time. Um, They got rid of of, – they didn't get Kelly Goubert back, which kind of hurts because he was good for them, but they got Jay Crowder, and they got themselves some pieces. So they finally filled themselves out and are looking a little bit more serious. So I would definitely say in the long run – this probably helps out the Suns more than any. This offseason probably helped the Suns more than anybody else because finally Devin Booker has some talent to play with, and we'll see if he can finally put it together and, and play some playoff basketball for once. Exactly, and it helps the Suns keep Devin Booker. Everyone knows yep. him. D'Angelo Russell and Cat are the best of friends and would love to play together. I mean, so you know, this keeps Devin Booker away from that idea, which is admittedly a horrible. Horrible idea. Yeah. They would That's a nightmare. They would probably score 150, but they'd give up 250. It'd be nasty. And more so than on, on just Booker. I think that having Chris Paul is going to do a tremendous amount of things for Aiden because besides the dumb things that got him suspended in the first place, like he put himself PDs. together in a good, uh, he put himself in a good amount of, of places this year and he had some good games. So I think the Chris Paul signing, obviously Chris Paul is just a net plus no matter where he goes, and he's just the point god. So he's gonna have he's gonna have a positive effect on those guys. So I think that that's that's the coolest thing that I saw. But other than that, I would say Portland has definitely knocked it out the boat too. Okay, looks like we're pretty much agreement there. Yeah. So uh, let's move on to the next award. The one man's trash is another man's trash award, and I just <laughs> want to <laughs> give this. To the Wizards and Rockets, Wizards and Rockets for trying to exchange their trash for one another, um, and and I don't mean trash in a bad way. John Wall and Russell Westbrook are not trash. Those are two of my favorite players. John Wall, absolutely. Shout out Rose Bar Captain. But uh, th- those are two guys with a noted injury history, with forty one million dollars each on their contracts. And both teams looking like, ah, I don't really want my guy. I'll take your guy, kind of, if you want him. But it's like, ah. And, and you know, it, it's come out in subsequent days. Uh, Wizards GM Tommy Shepard has said that John Wall didn't ask for a trade. At John Wall's uh, Family Foundation event he does over there in D.C., uh, he said no comment when they asked him about the trade request. So who knows what actually happened if he asked for a trade or if he insinuated or if he said, oh, y'all trying to trade me? Then trade me then, which is, I think, more likely than him yeah. asking for a trade. But uh, we'll see. It looks like Houston and Washington are both content going into the training camp with uh, their bad that deals. Ain't, that ain't they have kind of no other choice. Just, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm about to say. Like, <laughs> they got another choice. <laughs> oh, nobody wants him? I, right. I mean, Charlotte was looking at Russ. But once they drafted LaMelo and gave $3 billion to Gordon Hayward, it was a wrap for them. <laughs> I mean, the Knicks, I don't know. The Knicks don't seem to be biting. I thought the Knicks would be all over. I mean, at least John Wall or Russ. I mean, 
the Knicks, Knicks have some sort of decency this year, man. They have some sort of sensibility that blowing everything up in every direction is maybe not the best move. The Knicks five years ago, when they did this move without oh, hesitation. Yeah. Without even blinking. But, uh, you know, shout out to, to both Houston and Washington trying to get rid of it. And what's up with Houston wanting the first round pick in that? I can see if you want a second round. Yeah, I mean, I really? guess Russ was just all NBA, but I seen Russ in the bubble. Russ can't shoot. You you can't try to push your trash on me. Don't spit on me and tell me it's raining. I know what's going on here. No matter no matter how many tries, how many ways they want to paint it, Houston's internally on fire right now. Like they are just they're imploding. They're imploding at the seams, and I think next by next year, it's just gonna completely like landslide down one way or another. I think it's the inevitable. And I feel bad for my man Steven Silas, twenty years an assistant, and his first shot is dealing with this mess. Why they got to hey. do that to the brother, man? They could turn it around. Sorry, you ready? You ready for my one man's trash is another man's trash? Yeah, 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 yeah. What you got? Gordon Hayward. <laughs> and I mean, I have a lot. I've had a lot of praise, a lot of praise, and I'm not gonna come here and trash him as a man. Same way, like we were just talking about the trades and stuff. But at the end of the day. Between um, the injuries and just the overall media sentiments and the fit, honestly, it was kind of at times what we felt like we needed in Boston. But then also, again, at times it was just what killed us, you know, in the end. And I just started to see um, a lot of sentiment that, you know, throughout the years that part of the reason why we did not trade him uh, throughout the seasons was because of the reputation that Boston has about trading players. And you hear about all these sacrifices he's making coming back from injuries, you know, missing the birth of a child, you know, coming back as soon as possible, you know, taking all his and, rehabilitation for his injuries in Boston. And being a fan favorite in Boston. Being a fan favorite, be playing for his, you know, his coach, like, you know, his college coach, having so many connections within the organization. It was such a close tie that supposedly, like, it was, or not supposedly, but, you know, almost a conspiracy theory that part of the reputation of what Boston has done was holding them back from pulling the trigger before this season. And, you know, I get the whole reason of Charlotte having to get a free agent and trying to get some vet presence and matching up the deals with the rookie deals, et cetera, but way too much money for someone that I think that before all the freak injuries was definitely not the kind of person to be injury prone, but time has changed and he has had injuries all across his body and it seems that he's reluctant to get back to that perfect form or even to improve because the whole point of him getting this max deal in Boston was what was going to happen onward because he got that first west west uh western all-star all-star appearance and had that great season and it was supposed to be from there more cuz he kept improving every single year and he hasn't even took that step up yet so that's the promise that's out there and I just don't know if that's attainable anymore because it just seems like it. The, the, the luck on the guy is just out. So it seems to be one trash to another. Uh, I, I feel that. Let me, how old is Gordon Hayward? That's what I'm trying to figure out right now. He's about like 30, 30 31. Because he's one of those guys who seems old, but he's 30 years old. Okay. 30, yeah. But All he's right. got like 7,000 kids, so that makes him like 50. <laughs> <laughs> Living that Mormon lifestyle. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if he's Mormon or not, but you know. He's just... the NBA Philip Rivers. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, that might be Dwight, but you know. <laughs> True. He likes his kids, allegedly. <laughs> 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 
Hey, I, I've had enough problems with the white in my on. life. <laughs> no, but I, I feel you on that. Gordon, I, I mean, I was never a big Gordon fan. At his best, he's a secondary playmaker. He can knock down shots. He can, you, you know, a solid defender. But I don't know if he's a max player at his best. And yeah. after the age 30, after his little injury history... I'm concerned, but you know, you got to do what you got to do in Charlotte. I mean, it's kind of weird that the Nicholas Batum's about to be gone, and they just signed another one. So, yeah, <laughs> we'll see. All right, well, let's move on to our last award of the free agency period of the first annual Hoop Therapy Couch Awards. It is, which quite possibly is my favorite award, the Rich Paul Robin Hood Award. It is the award for the contender that is robbing from the poor and getting richer, or robbing from the rich and getting richer, and uh, robbing from the me, rich and giving to the rich. <laughs> exactly, just just making more wealth, so more like capitalism or something. Uh, <laughs> to me, that's the Lakers. Uh, the way they were able to finesse. I mean, I don't know if you finesse the Thunder and getting Schroeder, but getting Schroeder for a first-round pick in a contract year, I mean, just because you gave up a first for him, you don't have to keep him. You're the Lakers. You can get anybody you want. So it's like he's there. He's in a contract year. He's going to be trying to provide what he did last year or close to it so he can get paid. So, he, I mean, it, that's motivation. And then you got Trez, who signed a two-year deal, but it's pretty much a one-and-one, one-year with a player option which is basically a one-year deal. A lot of guys sign these one-year deals waiting on that 2021 cap space to open up to, you know, hopefully get paid more. But, I mean, you get Trez and Schroeder, two six-man-of-the-year candidates last year, one wanted, and then they also got Marcus Gasol for cheap. Uh, yeah, the, the Lakers are the Rich Paul Robin Hood Award winners, which makes sense because <laughs> Rich Paul might run the yeah. team. Essentially, <laughs> hey, we we flashing all these allegedly today. Exactly. So, uh, what what are you thinking? So at first, I was gonna go Lakers as well because from what they lost to what they gained on paper, talent wise, is way better. Um, and I think um, Montrez on Lakers is probably gonna be better than what he was in the Clippers because. He has decent centers around him to kind of make up for what he lacks, uh, especially defensively and, you know, offensively throughout the regular season. You can plug him at the five and then have somebody just crash the glass while they let AD play like he's KP or KD. But as I'm sipping on this drink right now and just looking at what we got written down, I'm going to play devil's advocate and just say I give the award to the Bucks because Mm. As much as people say that they kind of just moved laterally and didn't really make a step up, especially with the bogey fallout, um, that they weren't really looking like a threat, I think that they really retooled themselves to have a bunch of options. Like, the guys that they signed are all guys that I really, really fuck with. Like, DJ Augustine and Bryn Forbes, like, maybe might not be the stellar guys, but for their roles, I think that they play them extremely well. And Torrey Craig might not be the best offensive player and not the greatest defensive guy out there for bigs and etc but he can go out there and guard guards and he can guard smaller forwards and you know i think that these were fantastic signings and then the drew holiday thing like eric Bledsoe was such a liability for them that they were trying so hard to get him out the way and by getting (laughs) by getting drew holiday in there it's such an upgrade and 
at the end of the day, while people will poke out their holes, like they have been a fantastic regular season team, and they kind of just got better for that. We'll see how it turns out in the playoffs because we have to see these guys prove themselves, and we have to see what kind of gear Giannis puts it to. But I think they were positioned to make some drastic roster changes, which is what they did, and prove to Giannis that they're willing to go out and do the things that they feel are possible. Some people were kind of uh, nagging about, you know, some of the negotiations and some of the way that the money was spent, et cetera. But at the end of the day, it, you can't be perfect in this business. And I think that the team itself looks way better. And for something like what the Lakers are doing, they completely switched their identity, you know? They lost all their, like, really tooled-in defensive guys and got back a lot of offensive guys. So the Lakers aren't going to be the same Lakers that we've seen last year. And that might be a good thing, but it could always be a bad thing as well. So... I'll give that award to the Bucks, man. I think that they have a cool team, and I fuck with Drew Holiday heavy. I fuck with Torrey Craig and DJ Augustine surprisingly heavy, um, and I fuck with Giannis. So, and this could be his last year there. So, you know what? They did what they could. Exactly. I think that DJ Augustine signing is key because mm-hmm. you got Drew Holiday, who I mean, he could run some pick and rolls, but he's not really a good pick and roll initiator. You got a guy like DJ Augustine who could do that, and Drew can go off ball, and you can have lineups, but you got DJ Drew. Uh, Chris Middleton, Giannis, and I mean, depending on who you're playing, you can throw Brent, another shooter out there like Brent Forbes, or you can put a Tory Craig out there. Yeah. Or, you know, it depends. Or you can have Dante DiVincenzo, who will probably and be out got, there because. And they got Pat Connaughton back, too. So it's yeah. not like they lost tons of things. They lost some dead weight. I, I mean, they're going to miss out on the backup bigs, but I, fig- I think they signed somebody, but it, it's not. Robin Lopez was solid for them. Uh, Brooke Lopez is, you know, a force down low. He's been that way since his Nets days. But, yeah, the Bucks they did retool. Hopefully they have enough shooting and enough guys that can do something outside of Giannis that he's not asked to do so much. Yeah. Uh, DJ Augustin and Giannis pick and roll should be deadly as long as DJ is hitting that shot. But... We'll see. Giannis just put out a hype video, his first one, first and he one, didn't yep. really have that hitch in the shot. So we'll see. I mean, everybody looked good in practice, but what you going to do when it's game time? Lights on. Exactly, yep. You know? But I give my kudos to them. But, yeah, so they take they take the award for me. Yeah, so um, that, that concludes award season for the preseason. Uh, well, for this part of the preseason, stay tuned because – Next month, we'll have some preseason MVP and, and a couple more things that we're looking at. Um, anything other than that in free agency interests you? I, I mean, we had some uh, – I mean, there was money going around. They said it was coronavirus, but I can't tell. People were making money, a lot of shooters. I mean, Joe yeah, Harris got 475 and mm-hmm. uh, Berton's got 5 and 80 which is probably a better deal, but – yeah. yeah, that was that was a steep contract. Um, all the kids from the um, what was it, the twenty twenty fifteen class? No, what is it, twenty sixteen class now? Mm-hmm. No, holy shit, it's, it's even more than that. Twenty seventeen class, right? Yeah. Oh, all years is oh twenty twenty. Yeah, twenty. It might be twenty sixteen still. Twenty six. The twenty sixteen class. All the kids got paid. Um, shout out to Tatum getting locked up five years. Um, coming Sheesh. out saying that he wants to you know end his career here in Boston. He's gonna get. He's gonna hit that 195 mark because he's destined to get All NBA. Um, shout out to Don. Shout out to. Uh, shout out to Bam. Shout out to Darian Fox, who is kind of just 
in limbo over there in Sacramento, but at the end of the day, getting himself paid. Um, right. Cash them checks. Yeah, exactly. Um, any particular moves? Oh, one thing. Uh, let's just talk about franchises right now. I mean, I have a whole spiel for Boston whenever we we hit that bump, but one team I have to exploit again, like we did in the playoffs, is the Clippers. The Clippers fell asleep at the wheel, lost some pieces, tossed a bunch of money at Mark, uh, tossed a bunch of money at Marcus Morris, signed Ibaka as almost a save all when they lost two players who kind of filled in those roles individually, and looked to be uh, shopping around Lou Williams to quote unquote get a fresh start and it just seems to be like a clusterfuck over there and i don't know how much they're going to turn around but they can't waste it because both of these guys can opt out with what next summer yeah i mean they're pretty much on one-year deals right now i mean Mm -hmm. they got one in the player option they can opt out which they'll probably do just because the money's supposed to be better next year and i think they're all hit their 10-year cap and they'll want to get some extra cash but uh, I feel you on the Clippers. I like the move they made to get Luke Kennard. Um, he's a nice shooter. They got rid of – they traded Shamit, right, in, in that deal. Yeah, that was in that deal, yep. And, I mean, I don't know if Kennard's better than Shamit. Shamit has showed some things his rookie year as a shooter. But last year he was miscast as, like, a pick-and-roll guy, as all types of things, and that's not what he was. But, uh, the, the, yeah, the Clippers, they subtracted more than they added. I mean, you add yeah. a guy like Ibaka who can – play five for you when you have your best lineups out there, which is good. I mean, Ibaka had a career year last year and what seems like his 30th year in the league. But, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know how he does it. Um, Serge is out here balling now, so he got that. I mean, that's a great pickup for them. But And then you move down the line, it's like, okay, who's your point guard? Patrick Beverly? And who's behind him? Nobody. They missed out mm-hmm. on the Rondo. Uh, signing, and, and mm-hmm. it's like, I mean, if you had Rondo, you probably would have to move Patrick Beverly anyway, but it's like, they don't really have many routes to improve with their payroll and the guys they have on their team. The Luke Kennard was probably the best they could do at the moment, but, I mean, you trying to move Luke Williams, like, what are you expecting to get back for him? Like, I, yeah. I mean, he's only useful to a contending team, and no contending team is, like, what, what do I give up to get him? So, you know, that's crazy. But but I'm interested to hear this Boston rant. I mean, well, you know, just to jump into it, the fact of the matter is that we lost Gordon Hayward. And that shit was, you know, definitely like a, a punch to the gut because no matter how many things you can say, he was like about 18, like seven and six, seven and five over the year uh, as a fourth option on efficient shooting numbers. And there was nights where he saved the game or nights where he looked like the quote unquote old Gordon Hayward, um, whatever that means. Um, and it was production at the least. So to lose that kind of level, it definitely hurts, but the just the overall like vibe of it and how people took it and you know what they thought of Boston afterwards was just so crazy to me I got into several arguments on Twitter with just bots probably fake accounts at the end of the day but who cares that just did not clearly see what happened which is at the end of the day what happened with Al Horford is that he wasn't really worth too much to max all the money out and someone else thought he was so at the end of the day, that's the end of the talks right there. News is coming out at this point that, you know, Indiana kind of overplayed themselves and they kind of didn't jump at the first offers that they could have to get themselves a special player that they were coveting because he even wanted to go there. And 
a lot of the fallbacks falling on Danny Ainge, and I I know that it's easy to blame somebody, but at the end of the day, instead of getting stuck with Miles Turner and and Doug McDermott or some trash from Indiana, he decided not to go with a trade that was going to end up overall being negative because he already took the phone calls to see if anybody's taking Miles Turner, and nobody's taking Miles Turner, especially with his money. And they went out and got Tristan Thompson on a bargain and a half of a deal. And they got Teague as a, as a backup point guard. And they went and drafted some key players that they think that are going to be able to break the rotation. And they're not done yet. They're trying to facilitate the signing trade, still open up the trade exception and get some pieces in there and build around the Jays. So I just think that there's so much talk and, you know, things go back to Boston can't keep anybody. And they wonder why Al Horford walked and wonder why Kyrie walked and wonder all these questions about what the organization is doing. But to me, it's still for what you what it, what it is is losing your one of your biggest free agents. I wouldn't even say the off season has been that terrible, and I'm still excited for the next year coming. So a lot of the rhetoric going around about what Boston's done has been extremely negative, and I don't know. I had to get it off my chest to clear some air because I think it's 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 narrow headed, and it's just maybe it's my biased view, but I just think a lot of it's just an uninformed opinion of it. Okay, here's my thing. Um... Gordon Hayward was going to always be gone this year, right? I mean, if he would have opted in, he was going to get traded. If he didn't, if he opted out and just left as he is trying to do now, I mean, he's going to be gone. There was no reason to keep Gordon Hayward on this team. At that point, you just it's a roster imbalance. You got another wing who does the same thing as your other wings but isn't better than your other wings at doing it. It's like, so what are we keeping him here for at $30 million? making more than these other guys. So he was going to have to go. To me, I don't see why Danny Ainge or, or they didn't jump on the Pacers offer of Miles Turner. I mean, Miles Turner may not be the greatest center in the league, but, I mean, he's better than Tristan Thompson. Even if in you're getting Tristan Thompson, I mean, everything, Offensive, he's a better off, shot Offensively, blocker. maybe, but defensively, not at all. Defensively, no, not defensively, at all. No, yes. Yes. Miles Turner had Miles Turner had one good year of shot blocking. That was just only because he had led the league in shot blocking numbers. But at the end of the day, Miles Turner is not a good transition defender. And he's not a, he's not a good overall energy defender. And at the end of the day, it's it's well, easier when, to see. When on has paper. Tristan been a good defender? He That's he's had question. a he's had a solid great two years. And at the end of the day, the numbers are better. The <laughs> numbers are the numbers in the play. Ball? The numbers in better and this last year by himself have stood stood their ground and they're more. It's better because he comes at cheaper, so his value is higher. And at the end of the day, you don't want somebody who's going to be their own person offensively and be their own liability defensively because he's going to be a rim protector, and that's it. Miles Turner gets himself caught in a lot of dead grounds, and he gets himself caught in a lot of players he cannot guard. I would trust Tristan Thompson to guard players uh, smaller than him and faster than him way more than Miles Turner. Just a personal opinion, and you can look at the statistics, and they, they prove themselves that, you know, at, at the end of the day, Miles Turner is a below-average player making above-average money. Mm, I just don't uh, think okay. there's an argument there. And then that's why, in order to take in him, Danny Ainge wanted to get at least another comparable player because there's no reason that you should take in two net negative players while letting go one of your best. Okay, yeah. I, I, I don't like that we're calling Miles Turner a net negative player because he's but not. That's what he's been he's not, for the last two he's years. He's not the best he's, defender. He's not a healthy guy. He's not a health. He's not a he's great also, defender. He's not a good. He's also been playing player. with next to another center. He's never. He's not having. You you know, he doesn't have the spacing that most other players get. He's playing clogged in the paint. He's being miscast as a three point shooter. Like he can shoot the ball. Yes, he can space the floor. You can run pick and pop through him. 
You can do a bunch of things. He's a great shot blocker. He's a good interior defender. But when you have him playing against modern-day fours because Demonis Sabonis can't, I mean, he's out in the perimeter all day. Of course his defensive numbers aren't going to look good. I mean, he's a big man. He's not supposed to be out there on the perimeter all the time chasing these forwards and guards and all that on switches. But if you put him as the sole center around some guys like Tatum and Brown and you got some other guys like some wing guys, some guards, guys who actually play, who can space the floor, who can give him some opportunities in the post and outside the post, I think he'd be a great addition to any team. I mean, see, that's the thing. I think that his value is held in maybe more of a role that he has more responsibility in so that he can actually get that space that he needs. But at the end of the day, what the team needs is just a low role, just high IQ player to just kind of get in, get boards, run to the rim, run your picks, get back on defense and hold an anchor. And that's is, it. Is that going to cut it against uh, Joel and B? I mean, it you're has, putting a lot, it you're ha- putting a it, lot it on the it did last year. It did last year without without just, without without Gordon Hayward and a hobbled Kemba Walker with Tice without even Tristan Thompson. So without even another big that's comparable on defense there. And okay, it was a sweep. It was a sweep already. That's not the biggest issue. And it was the only Bam sweep because they just had Raul Neto out there shooting threes. It was Joel by himself, and he was getting buckets. Couldn't nobody it, stop. It's been the last last what three series that they haven't really been able to even take like take any games on Boston. So. The Joel Embiid thing's not really a worry because schematically we're already corrected that. I mean, when it comes down to Giannis and Bam, those aren't really what killed us. You know, at the end of the day, the defense did what they had to do. What killed us was Tyler Hero going up a, a complete bombarding of threes and and unrational scoring from Goran Dragic. That's because nobody was so nobody was scared of, the, of going to the basket and nobody was scared of shooting. Nobody, there was nobody the there of, to inspire that, fear that, on the defensive end. Is that more so on Tice, or is that more so on people shooting over Kemba? And at the end of the day, the whole momentum of the series shifted over a close game of Tatum getting completely blocked by Bam and the energy just shifting. That's not really a a roster whole. The the whole thing, we talked about this before uh, in the season, the whole thing with Boston needing a center as their biggest hole in the team is not it. It's just been the bench scoring. It's been the the backup point guard presence. So... So what, what do you think would have happened if they went against the Lakers? Like, I mean, they, the they would have gotten killed in the post. When we went against the Lakers, when we went against the Lakers through the regular season, I mean, we matched that's up right, fairly well. We defend, that, defended them right, pretty well. And we have too many wings for them to guard as well. So offensively, we kind of had them at the same match. And defensively, we just had to play on high-energy high switching. It, it They didn't really score a lot of points on it. And at the end of the I mean... We could have seen what would have happened, but I don't think the answer is by going super big and, and trying to find yourself uh, an expensive big to fill out that role. I think the and, signing and, was perfectly fine, and if we get some more defenders on the bench, it's perfectly fine. You want more bo- bodies to throw than overpay for one big body that's not going to do a lot for so long anyways. He's injury prone. I, I mean, a, a lot of guys are injury prone. It's just some things you just got to take a risk with. To me... I don't think you pass up on a talent like Miles Turner just because you want to save some money uh, on the back end. Uh, to me, talent trumps all. If you're trying to uh, make your team an Eastern Conference finalist or go to the NBA finals, you got to jump at talent whenever you can get it. I mean, especially in the East, it's not going to be easy. I mean, I understand I just beat Joel Embiid, but it was just Joel by himself. Teams are getting different now, you know. 
And when and what we did against Siakam doesn't count either. I, and Gasol and 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 the bigs that that Toronto just went invisible hey, when they try to play against. Come on. Hey, y- y'all like, cooked Toronto. I I don't I don't have. I'm not defending them for nothing. Pascal is not as good as they make him seem, but uh, you know. They lost some credits in all, all regards. I mean, you could jump in into a million different ways, but my spiel is just the fact that, you know what, at the end of the day, overpaying versus overplaying is just not the way to go. And they ended up doing themselves a benefit, and we held the respect for Gordon Hayward and didn't, you know, stop him from going to get his bat again. You know, Danny Ainge has put together a phenomenal team, and I'm excited for the season to come up. Yeah, me too. But, uh... We should go ahead and get out of here. It's a holiday. So, you know, remember five-star. Before before we go, before we go, just a couple more teams just to throw some credit to since we're saying, you know, free agency. Uh, A couple teams we didn't talk about was, um, I guess not even a couple, just the last one to bring up is uh, Dallas. Dallas Mm. got a couple guys, and they got themselves uh, Josh Richardson, and they retooled a bit, and they're looking looking war-ready for the future too. I don't know when we did the Q&As, we said that. You know, Dallas was uh, one of those teams we're looking at for the future, but just to give them their kudos before we go. Definitely. Uh, that move for Josh Richardson, they gave up a little bit of shooting in Seth Curry. and But, you know, you got to do what you got to do. You you need a little more defense around Luka just because mm-hmm. of the kind of player he is, and he can get guys shots. So hopefully Josh Richardson is motivated. You clear a little bit of cap, and they got some cap space for next year too, so... Watch out for the Mavericks. Yes, sir. <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Yes, sir. Uh, enjoy your families. Enjoy everybody you with. Um, you know, five stars. Subscribe, rate, review. You know what to do. Uh, until next time, we'll see you through. Yeah, thank you so much, people. Yeah, thanks for listening. It was a fun one. Have a great Thanksgiving, y'all.